Welcome in to Talk the Dog, the show where we find a bone to pick and a take to give. These are not hot takes. These is dog takes. Can I talk that dog? What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Hey, got like, what, four words for you? Great job, do better. Great job, do better. Okay, I was thinking about this today. Um, Not that I'm some type of philosopher or philosophizer, but, um, you know, a lot of times you get congratulations, congratulations, hey, great job. Great job on that show. Great job on that article. Great job doing that work this week. Great job at that game. But, like, the important part is to do better. So, like, every time you do a great job, understand that you can do better. So, we have sayings around the wall. I have everybody that come through here um, and, and that mean things to our life or to our show. They come through, they sign the wall, they put things on the wall. Uh, I like to put things on the wall here like this one. This too shall pass. Whatever's going on, we've talked about that on this show. Whatever's going on in your life, good, bad, ugly, or indifferent, no matter what, this too shall pass, right? It'll eventually get gone. Um, I got some song uh, lyrics and things, but just basically things that mean th- something to me. Um, so I felt like, you know, riffing and opening with, hey, great job, do better, right? Great, great job wherever you're at today, but I promise you, you can do better. Hey, it's two, or it's Wednesday, right? It's Wednesday. We do it every single Tuesday, every single Wednesday, hot off the presser. I come running down the steps, fresh out the truck, fresh from media availability. Today, as usual, we had our boy, friend of the program, Cedric, Cedric Van Pran Granger, uh, during media availability, as well as Dylan Bell. Uh, I always go in these with kind of pre-planned questions. You guys know this. Ced is obviously like a lot of Georgia football players, but very noticeably because he's a center, um, very noticeably spends a lot of time watching film, okay, evaluating his opponents. And year over year, particularly when you play a, a divisional opponent and you play a lot of football like he has, you're, you get like super familiar with like what to expect or what to see. I mean, even me, I've studied Kentucky now for three, four years now on film, like real hard, looking at what they do or who they are, what they are culturally, how they play schematically. And I'll tell you what, they look very, very familiar every single year. Every single year. There's not a ton of change. Even like, uh, uh, you know, body compositions, what people look like at certain positions, there hasn't been a bunch of change um, year over year. And I asked, uh, you know, Cedric, when you, when you study them, how have they evolved and, and, and what's been the consistent message and uh, physicality. It's what we hear every single week when Kentucky, or every single year when Kentucky comes through. Um, and I think it's a point of emphasis in the building. It must be, so there's not that sense of shell, so- shell shock, rather, that I think a lot of opponents get with Kentucky. If you look at Kentucky's history under Mark Stoops, I, I, do they win a lot of tight games or do they roll a lot of football teams? I, I think they either lose tight games or roll, right? And I think that's a, that's a microcosm of, Teams either are willing to stand in there and punch with that football team and get hit and hit back and play physical, or they get rolled. They get rolled right over. And I thought Florida got rolled over. And and that's that's something that I don't believe will ever happen to Georgia until they just don't have dudes against a football program like Kentucky. You're telling me the objective is to make sure we're ready for a physical football game? I mean, that's who Georgia is. They, they like, start with physicality. So um, it, it's kind of – it really is a, 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 a meshing or a, a, 
uh, combination of styles, if you will. Uh, they were, he was asked, obviously, about the, the frustrations with the run blocking. Um, I, I thought he pointed out something we pointed out on film. We talked about touchdown blocks this week on film and, and how, how much of an emphasis I would place in those rooms when they happen. When you make a touchdown block, I'm going to lose my ever-loving mind because it, Cedric talked about it today. You are one block away from breaking the big one. You are always one block away. And as an offensive lineman or as a wide receiver or as anybody who does not have the ball, not a quarterback, you have to pursue every single block like you might be the one. You might be the touchdown block. Like you're the last guy to get the last cutoff block on the backside. You have to run like your hair's on fire because the one time you don't, we might need that one. You know what I'm saying? And, and like defensively, I, I don't really know the, the, the parallel here in terms of like, Always, oh, it's, it's pursuit of the football. You know, that's exactly what it is. It's the same thing. On defense, when you pursue the ball, you pursue the ball like, like, your, like your life is dependent upon it. On the offensive side of the ball, you have to do the same thing. And I, I think there has been that, that, oh, we're just one, oh, man, one guy didn't do their job. Four guys did, one guy didn't. Um, and when Dejon Edwards isn't in the game, you can, it's noticeable. Y'all don't, don't rip off four, five, six, seven, eight-yard gains when guys aren't doing their job or all five guys aren't winning. Um, so I, I thought that was noticeable and something that stood out for me. This is also a huge week for Cedric and it's something I asked him about. And not, it always comes back to me somehow, but I don't know how to otherwise relate to this or, or explain this to other people. Okay, I was a, a center that was very undersized, um, always had to, you know, win, like being smart. Like most centers, they're, they're undersized. They're not talented. They're not five stars. They're not future top 60 picks, right? They're not always Cedric Van Pran Granger. A lot of the times, centers have been moved there because they couldn't play elsewhere, right? I was one of those guys. So when I get pro or, or, you know, asked, hey, do you like being covered or uncovered as a center? Well, I sure as hell like to be uncovered, meaning nobody's over me, right? We're playing an even front. I got a nose tackle on my left shoulder or maybe on the right shoulder of my left guard. And I got a, a three technique way over there, right? That's what a, a, an even front does to me. And as a center, I'm now uncovered. So a lot of the time I'm kind of playing half a man on a down lineman and working up to a linebacker, right? I, I'm, I'm an assistant. That's all I am that day. It's not my job. My job is to make sure everybody gets in the right place. Hey, oh, we got a blitzer. I'm going to take that undersized linebacker and I'm going to handle him. That was my mindset as a center. And I think a lot of centers carry that mindset, okay? Because we are. We are undersized guys that have been bumped in, okay? When I asked Cedric, hey, uncovered, covered. This is a big covered week for you. They're, they're an odd, they're not just a team that plays mint. They're not just a team that plays a little bit of zero. They're not a team that just plays some shade. No, this team features a true zero, gonna stand on your ass all game long at the center position. Cedric immediately said, I prefer that. I like being covered. I, I like knowing what my responsibility is. I like knowing that there's an immediacy to it, that this is my guy. And um, sir, that, that just, again, He's, he's one of those. Like uh, the most center, I don't know. I haven't spoken to thousands of centers, but I, I promise you, I've listened to Jason Kelsey talk. I know for a fact he don't like base blocking. Okay, so there, there, there are certain guys, um, and, and this is a big week for him. He's going to be covered all week, and they got some good ones. He mentioned number nine uh, from Kentucky. I looked him up today, about 6'4", 320 um, from North Carolina. So big, big zeros. 
uh, over there. What do y'all think about Kentucky in general? I got, I got some Dylan Bell thoughts. Welcome in, by the way. Uh, we got a great show planned for you guys. We got a whole lot of stuff going on. Kirby's got everybody set off this week. Um, Carson Beck, we, we, we teased some stats yesterday. Didn't get to them. That's how absolutely slam-packed and loaded yesterday's show was. I know there's a melding together of Brave fans and Georgia Bulldog fans tonight. Apparently, J-Will is going to educate yours truly on whatever these Bravos are doing because I, I, I ran out of bandwidth, okay, or fan width, if you will, for the Bravos. Just too much time. I compare being a Braves fan or being a baseball fan in general, being a good one, to being a good golfer. It requires like three hours a day. Like if you're going to be yeah. a good baseball fan, you got to go out to the range and you got to hit balls every single day, even when it's boring. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Taxing. So. Yeah, I can't really do that. But I can't wait for you guys to explain to me what the similarities are because apparently we're Spider-Man memeing right here in the in the state, in the Peach State. Um, I, this is one of my favorites. We didn't get to it yesterday. I, does Brock Bowers deserve his jersey retired by the time he's done playing? We're going to talk about that. Kirby Smart's got everybody up in arms, <clears throat> of course. But welcome in. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button. Also want to give a shout-out to our friends at PrizePix, prizepix.com. Promo code Brooks will get you 100% deposit match today. Okay, what does that mean? You put in up to $100, they will match you instantly on the spot. Okay, 100% deposit match over there. That's a free hundo waiting for you, okay? And it might just cost you a hundo. A little BOGO, essentially, for you over there on prize picks, okay? And I know, uh, you know, I always forget it. I always forget it. What is it? Flex Friday. Flex Friday. Flex, flex, flex Friday right around the corner. Thursday night props right around the corner. Okay. And them Saturday props, they're going to hit the lines probably, what, tomorrow morning? Mm -hmm. I would yeah, imagine probably. over there on Price Picks. So a lot going on. Use promo code Brooks over there today. And go ahead and get the addiction started because addictions are dope. You know what I mean? So go on and get you one over there. <laughs> go on get you one over there. Um, let me give you these thoughts on Dylan Bell before we move any further. You know, it's interesting. I, my first thought when you got to learn two positions, and especially when it's like thrown on you late, it's, it's not like this was something they planned for all summer. I don't imagine. Maybe they gave them some looks in the spring. But in terms of packages, I would imagine they didn't start designing these until mid-August, maybe early September when Branson got hurt. That's probably when things got emergency, like break glass. we got to use Dylan Bell. So as a football player, I'm, I mean, Bobo just got here, so we got new terminology and everything. It's not new terminology. It's kind of the same system, but there are tweaks, and I'm learning different things, and I'm trying to grow my, my role as a, as a Z receiver and an X potential receiver for this roster, and I'm, I'm trying to learn and trying to grow, trying to grow, and then, bam, hey, we need you to come over here and learn some packages at running back as well. My first inclination as a football mind is, damn, I bet he's busting assignments. I bet he's busting assignments. So when I look for it on tape, I'm like, hey, are we not running correct routes? Route trees are hard to, to actually judge unless you got two guys running in the same spot. Somebody must have busted. But with the finer details of whether or not you have a busted assignment, I don't know at the wide receiver position. I'll tell you right now, though, at the running back position, there hasn't been any. There, there's not been like, oh, he misread that or, oh, that was a bad cut or, oh, he, he was really impatient there. It's looked really, really smooth for him. Uh, and I asked him, hey, are we busting any assignments? And he kind of, I always, I always know the guys when they're kind of like taken back, like, oh, shit, that's a football question. This was one of those moments. He was kind of, he kind of gave me one of those. And then he was like, smile. He's like, I'll be honest. I was busting assignments the first couple weeks in practice. And, I, and it kind of sounds like he does Monday, Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. But at the end of the week, they give him a, it sounds like they give him a full 
clear up by the end of Friday. He has everything nailed down, and he doesn't bust assignments during Saturday. So um, I, I, don't, I would love to know the ins and outs, how they do that. I think the honest answer is the running back package is really simplified. But you, you run into causing or creating tendencies if you make it too simple. Okay, so in other words, if the defense knows every time 86 is that running back, he's getting the ball, we can key off that, right? If every single time Dylan Bell is back there and it's a passing situation, we know they're in five-man protection. You see what I'm saying? Because we know he's checking out. We know he's not going to be in pass pro. If you don't continue to enhance the role, if you don't continue to add on to the spice of the, the, the offense in that particular setting, you're going to create some type of tendencies, and that's the worst thing you can have as an offense. We don't want to have tendencies unless we have tendency breakers built off of those. So, uh, But no, dope to hear that he is not busting assignments. That's a credit to the staff. That's also a credit to his just football intellect as a whole. Also wanted to know, and this was, this was obvious, hey, um, you don't have to choose. You know that, right? You don't have to choose between running back and wide receiver anymore. We want you to be a receiver. We want you to enter the league as a receiver because you'll get paid more. They'll value you more. Um, <clears throat> but guys like Debo Samuel do exist, okay? Guys like Ty Montgomery do exist. Um, guys that played receiver in college that have found roles as a dual hybrid wide receiver slot guy and a running back, guess what? They're getting paid a lot of money. And when I asked him about this, again, they slid up very clear. He knew the names. He knew every single guy that's in the league right now that is getting paid as a receiver that takes running back carries. He has very clearly studied this, and it is very clearly something that he might aspire to do. Um, I wish we had the time to cut the sound up. Um, you guys can go check it out. We're going to have it up on Dogs Daily after the show. Uh, but, yeah, it was very noticeable to me that he, he knows that there's a possibility that this Debo Samuel role might be uh, available to him in the league. I mean, why not add something else to your bag? <clears throat> the, the whole show got the crud. The whole show. I, I'm feeling it. It's creeping up on me. Oh, I'm good. No. I'm on the downward end of it. You're on the backside. Everything's yeah. loose. Yeah. All right. Everything's loose. So I think it's. I think it's starting to get me. Um, I've been why, pounding why some me vitamin C. You know what I mean? That's just how it goes. You know. Chat saying Cordero Patterson. I, yeah. Cordero Patterson is this in the sense that he plays both. But ladies and gentlemen. Cordero Patterson is a unicorn. Mm -hmm. Cordero Patterson is six foot three, two hundred forty pounds, and he broke into the league as a kickoff returner mm -hmm. after being a receiver at at Tennessee. He is, uh, yeah, he is one of a kind. He is a, he is a jack of one trade. They ain't a lot. They ain't, they ain't a lot of those. Yeah, that's why the Falcons created a singular label just yeah. for him, the Joker role. Absolutely, but no, just thoughts on the the idea of using Dylan Moore as like that Debo role. I, I could see adding in, and it's that, that cheat motion. We were listening to this sound from Kyle Shanahan the other day mm -hmm. where, you know, the Dolphins are running Tyreek Hill in that, that horizontal motion and then snapping the ball at the snap. It's making its way into college. I saw, uh, who was, I saw Kentucky run it this morning when I looked at the film. Um, but they, they, it, the timing was all jacked up. But I could see my point being, Shanahan and, and the Dolphins and all these good pro-style, uh, you know, modern offenses in the league, they have found unique ways to stress defenses with pre like, like right immediate snap motion. I think Dylan Bell is the key to maybe Georgia doing some of that. I think that's just the way offenses are going to evolve. You look at the way things have gone, fullbacks gone now, even outside linebacker, things evolve like that to the point where – that's kind of, I think, what's going to become what the running back position is, where now you have 
guys who are undervalued at the running back position. So wide receivers are going to take that spot where you have more Debo Samuel, Cordero Patterson guys that take that role, like Dylan Bell. I think this is a trend you're going to start to see more and more of. Yeah, I mean, again, like if you're if you're a running back, they've always told you if you want to add to your skill set, be a guy on third down. I don't know if it's the inverse. I don't know if we can add to our. That's a funny shot. I just watched it. Watch my fat belly walk around that screen. Um, I don't know if it's an added value if you're a receiver and we can just do it a little bit. I think Debo is very unique in the sense that his skill set is very valuable to the 49ers. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why they that's why they invested in him so heavily. I think he's like a top five receiver target or uh, pay. Well, I mean, it's not going to be like an overnight thing, but I think you are going to start to see more and more of these hybrid guys where it's like, oh, this guy can run routes as a receiver and running back. Mm-hmm. He can take snaps as that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else did I get from him? That was pretty much it. That is hot off the presser. And there you go. I, I enjoy those segments. Those are good riffs. I told you I had 12 minutes in me. I gave you 21. Heck yeah. How about that? Elite. Well, five-minute ticker. I gave you 16. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know I mean? Uh, what we got next, boys? Where do we want to go? Do we want to talk about these Carson Beck stats? I think we need to start here. Yeah. I think Give we me these because this is some crazy, crazy stuff. All right, so you, I think mostly your take on Carson Beck being a third down, having all the decisions. Preseason was just. Yeah, I think that's kind of what probed me to kind of look into these stats. So I wanted to see how successful Carson Beck has been on third down. And boy, if that ain't the truth. Carson Beck is thrown for 597 yards in the, or this is in the third quarter. Let, let me switch around real quick. Let me get the third down stats first. Yes. His third, or his third down stats, he, he's 25 for 35, 71% completion rate, 295 yards, two touchdowns, 19 first downs converted. On third and seven or more yards to go, he's 14 of 18, 164 yards. That's where his two touchdowns came from, 10 first downs converted on those situations. He's, he's also 14 t- of 18 on third and seven plus? Yes. And he's converted 10 first downs on those situations. My God. And he's also tied for fifth for first downs converted on third down no, amongst all FBS that quarterbacks. That right there. That, all those are crazy. I mean, the fact that what, like, that's like – He's got almost four, he's got fourteen hundred yards, right? Yeah, thirteen ninety five. Yeah. So what's that? I mean, a sixth of his yardage is on third down. Mm-hmm. That's insane. But the the third and seven plus numbers are crazy. I I wouldn't want to know what the industry standard success rates are. Meaning, what is the college football average uh, conversion rate on third and seven plus? Because it can't be high. No. Like in fact, that is that is like when we do third down cutups. Y'all hear talk? Y'all talk about uh. Kirby Smart and, and all of his, you know, intricacies that he does. He talks about the third down cut up every week. It's what he studies on th- Sunday nights. Okay, he watches the entire third down cut up around the league. Every single league game, he watches third downs, third downs, third downs, third downs, third downs. Because it's basically how, how you win football games. Um, and, and when we do those cut ups, it's third and short, third and medium, third and long. How do we break this down? Third and short is third and two and under. Third and medium is third and five in between. Third and two and third and five in between. Third and long, okay, immediately begins at third, uh, third and seven, okay? So anytime we get seven-plus yardage, we're automatically, statistically, like defensive coordinators have changed their mindset. They are completely doing different stuff. You are now in third and long, okay? Now now our lights gear up. We are basically, that's like three and oh as a hitter, all right? We got the green light, baby. We get to throw our bag at this dude. So he's been facing this over and over again, 14 of 18 on third and seven plus. That blows my ever-loving mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was going to be good. Not that good. Yeah, it's, That's it's, insane. It's elite, top of the nation 
Is it right stuff. there? I mean, yeah, basically he's like he's top five in every single third down stat category amongst quarterbacks, basically. Mm. And, and do his, th- it. his third quarter stats are unreal too. I, I would say he just now got hit like a, a true what the offense feels as a number one wide receiver back too. Like Dominic Lovett or Ron Ron Thomas didn't feel like a, a number one target yeah. through the first four games. Lad McConkey immediately inserted himself as that on third mm-hmm. and long. Um, so yeah, that's that's nuts. Mm-hmm. You got something? No, it's, I just think that's crazy. Give me that. give me those third quarter stats. So he's thrown for 597 yards in the third quarter of this season, the second most in the entire country, only behind Shadur Sanders. His third quarter stats: 38 of 48, 79 completion rate. 597 yards, three touchdowns, nine passing plays that have gone for 25 yards or more. That's first in the nation. I saw today second in the SEC in passing yardage. Yeah. Behind who? Uh, Jaden Daniels. Mm-hmm. By a good minute, too. Makes it's sense. like 300 yards. Yeah. Well, he did just put up 600 on the <laughs> last night. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Jaden Daniels is chunking like 50 times a game. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it, it, was, it was all of the reasons we talked about in preseason that I felt this was going to be the case. Um, when I hear coaches talk about how, how much you have the answers, right? That's what, that's what we keep talking about with the quarterback position. Answers, 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 answers. Are you always aware of what's going on? Um, and this, this, this idea of evaluating quarterbacks based off where, whether or not they have the answers came from the first press conference postgame this year when Kirby Smart talked about Carson coming off the field and having the answers, having exactly what he saw and knowing what he saw. And when you have that type of, it's almost like picture retention, being able to know exactly what you've seen and, and, and see it clearly in, in, in post, that's what he has. And he has an ability, I don't know, he just sees things so clearly. And then that's why I, I didn't know, but that's why I thought like, watching the spring tape, I got a feeling. Um, watching him always play, like click through his reads and play on time. I had a feeling that this was going to be a guy that was going to be a lead on third down because he wasn't going to take sacks. You take sacks on third down, you're going to be bad on third down. Yeah. Maybe that's why people just kind of don't feel like he's flashing on Saturdays because he almost is so fundamental and so clean. There's no sauce at all. I mean, and I mean, he dresses with sauce. That's about the end of the sauce. There's no sauce in the personality um, in, in public personas. Now, his friends. I'm sure his teammates get a very different view of who he is. Um, but uh, outward, very, very dry almost. And, and the game is, is almost dry, but it's, it's efficient mm-hmm. and it's methodical. Because I feel like every single game this year, it's been like some people are a little critical of Carson throughout the game, and then the game ends and you look at the box score, he's like, oh, he threw for 30, 313 yards and two touchdowns today. Like, would have never guessed it. And only had 10 incompletions and three of them were drops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, he's he's the inverse of Stetson Bennett in that Stetson Bennett was criticized because he took too many risks with the ball. Mm-hmm. He wasn't efficient enough. And now that's kind of why you were begging for him in the first place. Now you have a guy who doesn't take as many risks, isn't going to be taking as many deep shots, and people are criticizing him for that. So I think I think it's very interesting to watch how – and it's gotten better as the season's gone on. But at the start, people were very critical of Carson Beck for the opposite reasons that they were critical of Stetson Bennett. So. Well, a classic case of uh, can't never win. Nope. Yeah. Um, no, I think at this point we got to start talking about how well he's played, not talking about, all right, guys, he's good. You know, I feel like we spent the first four or five weeks explaining to people that, no, nah, we think this guy's really, really good. Um, and then he goes on the road and, and proves it. It goes back to that um, 
And my high school football coach, shouts out Kenny D with the, with the uh, Warriors sword back here. He's talking about uh, we used to, we, we thought we knew, but now we know. There's a lot of this in the football world. And I, I don't know if you felt it in, in the sporting world in general. There's a lot of false confidence until the whistle blows, until plays happen. Right. We thought we knew we thought we knew going into a football game or going into a football season that so and so was going to be really good. OK, we thought we knew, but we didn't have any reason to know. We just thought we knew. But now we know. I thought I knew Carson Beck was going to check all the boxes, know all the answers, play on time and be as fundamentally sound as I always thought he was. But it was just I thought I knew. Now I know watching him go to Auburn. I know, I know. Mm-hmm. five games in. I know. So um, I think we should talk about this Braves and Dogs uh, Spider-Man meme. Spider-Man meme, is that the most used? What, what do you think the most used meme on the internet is? I'm sure oh this is God. very Googleable. Mm, most used meme. Well, I'm, let me look that up because I don't. But anyways. Let's There's talk, so many. There are so many. Give me the, give me the, uh, you wrote this in the show notes. Yeah. How are the Atlanta Braves and the, the Georgia Bulldogs so similar? Well, I think it mostly stems from, like, if you want to talk about the golden age of sports, you look no further than the state of Georgia right now. The Braves have won six straight division titles. Georgia has won five of the last six. Mm. Both of them have titles within the last years. Georgia, of course, having two. The Braves won in 2021, right before Georgia won their national title. And now both are in a position to go and win another title this year. And then I think it's also just like when you look at both teams, they're so similar to one another. Like, the Braves right now have one of the best players in baseball potentially could go down as one of the best players ever. That's what Georgia has in Brock Bowers. Like Acuna just put up the first ever 40 home run, 70 stolen base season in MLB history. Brock Bowers is doing things that the league has never, that the league has never seen before. And it's just like they lose like the Braves. They lost cornerstone players. They lost Mm -hmm. Dansby Swanson. They lost Freddie Freeman. And that was kind of the case with Georgia. And everybody thought this was going to be huge losses for the Braves. Those are clubhouse guys. Those are guys that are going to be hard for them to replace. And the same thing was with Georgia. When they had all those guys going to the NFL draft, when you had Jordan Davis in that 2021 class, and then even the 2022 class after that, nobody thought that they would be able to recover. And now the Braves are continuing their dominance. The Georgia has continued their dominance. And they've just kind of pieced together these organizations and these programs that are built for longevity. And I think you could even draw comparisons between Brian Snicker and Kirby Smart. I think they're both eerily similar in the way that they run their business. Both – well, Snickers a little friendlier to the media, it sounds like, but both snarky with the media yes. at times. Um, I would I would think Snickers much more of a nah, they're both players coaches. Mm-hmm. They both are. Like Kirby's guys love him. I mean he I do I don't even see him screaming at cat guys anymore that much. No. I could be wrong. It happens all the time at practice, but like we haven't seen a come unglued on the sideline, red faced mm-hmm. Kirby in quite a while. Um, I feel like it's happened this season. It, but not like I felt like used to when I first started watching like Georgia games closely, like really studying TV copies and really studying film. Man, he was so uh, uh, what do you call it when there's like like you show a lot of emotions. He was very very physically emotional, um, uh, jumping up and down, mm-hmm. red faced, ripping the visor off his head. He would lose the headphones once a game or something like that. I don't just don't I don't think we see that much more. Any on the yeah, much more on the I would agree with so that. I, I think he's become more like Snicker in that mouth temperament, but he's still got it. He's yeah. still got some, some oh, shit, stay away from coach today. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't feel like Snicker ever gives us that. Where else do we have some similarities here? Because you, you were rolling here. 
I think you could like the way they configure their rosters. I think are very similar as well. Like you have your national guys, like Ronald Acuna is from Venezuela, Ozzy Albies is from Curacao. So you mm. recruit in a sense at a national level for the Atlanta Braves. The Georgia does the same thing as well. You know, Dylan Rayola, this last class, while he is in Georgia now, that was a national guy. You're getting guys from California, Florida, everywhere across the United States. But then you also have your Matt Olsons, a guy that mm. grew up at Parkview High School, grew up an Atlanta Braves fan. Dansby Swanson was the same way. It's Georgia guys mixed in with a bunch of national guys. I think that's why the clubhouse works so well, why Georgia's roster um, configuration works so well. It's like a nice little blend of everything. You know, we had my man's deliver his first fiery take, just burying Saban in the Bama legacy. And I felt a, a sense of pride, like, like my boy done grown up as a, sh as a show member right there in that moment. Man, you just had yours. Okay, you just that 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 was well thought out. That was well drawn out. My only question, who's the Alex Anthopoulos at, at UGA? Who mm. is the who is the mastermind behind the roster construction? Is it the unit as a whole? Is it everybody? Who's the mastermind of this whole thing? Because I think if we could point to that Braves organization, I think the number from an outsider's perspective, I look at it, I'm like, man. Y'all stole uh, Ozzy Albies and y'all stole Ronald Acuna for their mm -hmm. salaries, right? Yeah. And y'all y'all ran off on, on, on some trades, right? Uh -huh. The who is it? Y'all got a shortstop. Jorge Soler. Oh my um, God, Jorge Soler. Y'all had a middle Jock infielder. Jock Peterson. Uh, middle Rosario. Infield. Eddie Rosario. Oh. Y'all picked him up, and it was yeah. like, what? How'd they get this guy? Like, it's been a bunch of that. So who is who's the mm. mastermind? Because we we had the. I guess Kirby gets the Snicker and the Anthopolis role. Yeah, he might have to. I don't know, because it's also a little different for college because, like, I don't know. It's just – I think it's a little different compared to college football and baseball, obviously, because I think you have a lot more coaches on staff specifically for college because there's a lot more recruiting going on and whatnot. Yeah. But I think you can also draw comparisons between, like, Ron Washington, obviously mm. big-time players guy, like Todd Hartley, oh, big-time yeah. players guy. Everybody loves Todd this Hartley. Everybody loves Ron Washington. I'm telling you, you look at the – I've been sitting on this one for a while, and I've been analyzing it, and I'm like, these guys are so similar to one another. It's almost like they talk to one another, and I think they do. I think you've oh, seen – Kirby's a diehard Braves fan. Yeah, and you've seen Brian Snicker and Kirby Smart have conversations, and I think you can see it in the way that they run their teams. Like It's, it's almost ideally similar. I'm going to sneak you into a presser one day and get you to ask this question. Mm. Okay? The next road game, which apparently isn't going to be Vandy, that you're credentialed for, mm. you're going to ask this. Just out of the blue. Maybe not, po maybe not post-game. Yeah. Um, this is a Tuesday press conference question. Definitely. This is a Tuesday press conference question, and uh, maybe we can sneak it in there. Uh, maybe I'll do it next Tuesday. Hey, Coach, this one comes from my boy at Dr. <laughs> underscore J. Will. How similar are you and them Bravos, baby? Chop till you drop. Amen? Amen. I think that'd be pretty cool. Nah, Mans was cooking right there. He was. Eh, he was. That was a, that was a good Very little nice. segment, my man. Very nice, J. Was, I, my man said, clear out. I got this one. You, you had no ISOs in the basketball game, did you? Nah, man. I you was, get them now, though, don't you? I do now, but not, <laughs> not, not back in high school. I was a go beat them down low, man. Get some boards. Yeah, just, just grind just it out Just banging playing. Yeah. Down there. <laughs> That's it, <laughs> man. Your 190-pound ass, get down there and do what you can. Hey, we got a bunch of love right now in the chat. People are just thanking us for our work and our hard work and, and, and telling us that they enjoy the podcast and they don't miss any episode. We are available on your podcast platforms. I think it's dope now. Spotify's got 
video capabilities. We upload every single one of these on MP4s. So um, I prefer you to watch us on YouTube. I think you should do both. Uh, both. I think you should do both. I think you should watch us on YouTube. And then when you're in the car, I think you should pick us up on Spotify. That way you're not having to watch us, but maybe at a red light, you pull it up and you can actually see what's going on, things like that. Um, so that would be how I would watch our show. Last night when we got done, I took, a, I, took it for, I took my fat butt for a jog and just listened to it on Spotify. And then when things got a little sus and we had some good laughter, I wanted to watch it, so I stopped and watched it. So um, I think Spotify does a great job of, uh, of melding together again. Um, shouts out to Ricky, Bobby, and Reese. Um, does a great job of putting both together for you guys over there. And we do upload it as fast as we can after the show. So um, I, I had a, a bunch of people hit us up with the, the complaint, and it's a good complaint to have about having too much content to watch because it is a lot. I counted it up. I think it's 12 or 13 hours a week of content on this channel. If you subscribe to everything, right? If, if you're subscribed to YouTube, Monday through Thursday, you get 10 hours of live content or eight hours of live content, right? You get an hour of film study on Monday, most likely 45 minutes of film study on Monday. If you're watching Friday Night's Mike, you're getting that on Monday too. That's another 30, 35 minute episode as well. Um, and then, you know, there's just a bunch of stuff going on here. And then if you're subscribed on Patreon, we basically are at the point now where we're doing two or three private film studies over there on patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin. So there is a bunch of stuff going on here. And the plan, I'm not even going to lie to you. As the kids say, I'm not even going to cap. My plan is to completely consume your life. I ain't going to lie to you. That's my plan. I want to be on every single time you have a television on. I want to be talking to you and say, what's up, my family? I don't know if that's going to catch I like you. That. You, you got to say filmily. 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 You said filmily. Because it rolled. It just, it was, I was nervous. It was the first time. I didn't plan it. I like it. It's, it's a good stick. Filmily. filmily. You don't force them, but sometimes you got to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You know, just force it in. Um, Brock Bowers, retirement, Jersey, hmm. possibly. Um, give me the, the jersey numbers that are retired at the University of Georgia. We talked about this the other day. Who are they? So there's been four. Herschel Walker, obviously. 34. Let Charlie. me see if I can, hold on. Let me see if I can guess these numbers. All right, no go way. ahead. Charlie Trippy. What's the number? 40? Right number, wrong person. Hmm. He played running back, right? Kind of was a hybrid athlete. He, he just a, did every. He was the team. He was the team. <laughs> he was the whole team. The guy you're thinking of is Theron. Forty two. No. I don't know. What was his Charlie name? Trippy was sixty two. Yo, yeah. that's hideous. <laughs> yeah. Shouts out. I mean, Charlie Trippy, you're a goat, but that's hideous. <laughs> um, Paul Horning, or no, no, I'm sorry. Who's number forty? Theron Sapp. He played fullback. Y'all, y'all retired forty for a fullback. Yeah. Man's must have been the devil. <laughs> what, what else? There's, one, there's one more. It's got to be the Heisman winner, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who was it? Horning. Nope. No. That's a Packer. Man, I'm bad at this. I'll get it eventually, but I'm not going to sit here on live air. And, you want to come, come back to it? No, just give that. me the name. His name was Frank Sinkwich. He wore Sinkwich, of 21. course. Golly, that's bad. You know what I first did? When I got hired to cover the University of Georgia. Went back, look at all the history. Nope. I bought a book, uh, The History of the Georgia Bulldogs. Mm. And it would, like, walk you through all of these historic characters. And you could see what my retention rate is of these things. Um, This is how, again, y'all think I'm lying to you when I tell you I am not a Georgia fan. (laughs) I am not a Georgia fan. 
I mean, shit, there's Tom Brady stuff around here. There's a Kobe Bryant thing over there. Dale Earnhardt's in the, in the living room. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just the guy that loves sports. I don't love it enough to remember Frank Sinkwich's number. I don't know why I keep wanting to say Paul Horning. Yeah, I don't know. You know why? Because I'm related to him. And again, everything comes back to me. <laughs> wow. Everything comes Such back to me. Guy. But if I'm related to the guy, you think I'd know where he fucking went to school. <laughs> Notre Dame. He's a Notre Dame guy. I should know that. Um, hey, make sure you're hitting that thumbs up button. Like, subscribe, and rate, and review, and all that good stuff. But back to this conversation. Does Brock Bowers, I mean, honestly, I, he's better than a lot of those, or not a lot of those yeah. football players. I don't want to be disrespectful because we, we do. We, I, we have a much older audience than I mm -hmm. thought here on YouTube. So, shouts out to the old heads, the OGs. <laughs> so, the OGs, please correct us in this thought process. Brock Bowers is better or more important to the success, the premier success of Georgia football than anybody on that list other than Herschel Walker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, looking at it, Herschel Walker, he's arguably the greatest running back of all time, won the Heisman 1982, part of the first, part of your kind of only national championship prior to last year. Not kind of, it really was. Yeah, I mean, there's the 42 one, but I don't know if that counts. Frank Sinkwitz was your first Heisman winner. Charlie Trippy, I think, is definitely deserves that. I went over a couple months ago. We yeah, talked that about that. Yeah, that was insane. He's like the most dynamic. He athlete might be the greatest athlete history. ever. And then Theron Sapp, the only thing that they really had on him was he ended an eight-year losing streak against Georgia Tech when he scored the only touchdown in 1957. Shouts out. Other than that, there's not a whole lot of accolades for him. So it's not like there's necessarily guidelines you have to have to get your jersey retired. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, the good news is it's a bunch of mid-ass numbers. 40, I mean, 34 is pretty dope. Yeah. yeah. But, like, okay, no one gets to wear 62. Who's really crying? You <laughs> the know long what I mean? snapper. Like, damn, <laughs> shit, 62 ain't available. I mean, 19 is kind of not that cool either. Like. That's what I'm saying. This is what I was thinking about it today. Yeah. When I was driving, I was like, bro, 19 is so ugly and mid anyways. It just looks good on him. I mm -hmm. don't think anyone. And you know what? I think he wore, like, eight in high school. Yeah, he was that, a single digit. He was a single right. digit number in high school. So you know what Brock Bowers is wearing nineteen for? Because he got he got issued it, and he mm -hmm. just they just okay. I'm nineteen now. Cool. You're cool. Okay, coach. You Thank know you. what I mean? Thank like, you, sir. Brock, it is not special to him either. Brock definitely doesn't strike me as a guy to care about his number. Fuck no. Hell no. But I mean, think of this resume: the only tight end to win two Mackey awards and the national championship drop possibly wins three national titles. Yeah. Like, there's a world where Brock Bowers loses one singular game in his career at Georgia. Yo, that's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he loses more than three in his career. Three seasons, no. three losses is insane. Holds a school record for touchdowns. Holds a school record for receiving yards in a season. How do you not retire that number? Like, what, what more would you have to do? I get kind of the argument where people are like, Stetson shouldn't have his retired. But Brock Bowers, when he dominates a statistical category – at receiving as a tight end mm. and is part of what is the greatest part of UGA's football history, how do you not retire that number? I think the proper answer to that question is Stetson gets his statue and you retire Brock Bowers' number. Yeah, because he probably doesn't want a statue out in front of a building of himself. No, Brock, yeah, Brock yeah. Bowers doesn't want the statue. He's cool with having his name up there. He in really the probably doesn't want to come back for the jersey ceremony. 93,000 people looking at him <laughs> without a helmet on, or without anything to go just like he wants to be secluded. And I, I think that's dope about him. I think it's going to make uh, the draft process really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. Do you think like a New York team stays away from him? Uh, why? Because he doesn't like to be on camera? No, just because it's not just being on camera, dude. Like, it's every single day in the locker room, 35 people standing in front of you, yeah. sticking a camera in your face. It's not, 
it's very like he get he has to come out and do media three or four or five six seven times a year at Georgia and it's seven or eight friendly faces and it's very secluded and it's, you know it's a tight roped club and it ain't like that in the league I think if you're an NFL organization and you pass on Brock Bowers because yeah. he might be scared to do media no availability, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there bro no, like there's no way that that's why you pass on if you if anything it's because oh he's undersized he's all all the hack so you think you think teams are more apropos to avoid him because he's undersized and avoid him because he might be completely uncomfortable living where we're at that's because that's what i'm saying i'm not saying he can't fit in everywhere he's not going to be great everywhere but i'm saying if there were a question about him as a football player at all if i were the new york giants the only question is and, and every other football team you just draft him immediately i'm just talking about a major market I would, it would be the only thing I, in the bottom of the notes. I would say draft him now, prepare him for the swamp because it's, it, it is, it's, foof, it's a rush of media. I mean, yeah, that, that's fine. I get that, but that's not going to keep you from drafting. If, no. if you're drafting on draft day and Brock Bauer is available, you're absolutely good. I mean, Nick Chubb wasn't a guy who loved talking in the media. No, Nick Chubb is like notorious for being and shy. He's in Cleveland. I always but, have loved that. Um, clip of him at the airport, Nick Chubb after being drafted. But here's the difference for me between Nick Chubb and, and Bowers. Chubb doesn't like the media and will be rude. Like not rude. He'll be standoffish. He'll he'll be short. He'll get in and out. Bowers is is a an efforter enough to be uncomfortable and continue to try. Yeah. Like yeah. I've sat in those rooms with him. He, exactly. he he's trying hard. He just don't. He's he's very uncomfortable. So I I don't know. That's that, all I'm saying. Like. It would be my only like, hey, we got to not not avoid him, but we got to prepare him for this. Yeah, I mean that's I, I, it's some of the baggage these first round picks have. Yeah, I if think, that's your question, then we're yeah, good. I think yeah. no one's gonna be like <laughs> he's an inch too short for our, our our top five standards, and we're probably gonna make him feel uncomfortable. Yeah, if if those are your two negatives you have against him, draft him right now, and if you pass Absolutely. on because of that, you're a poverty organization. <laughs> <laughs> your dog water. Um, let's play these Kirby Smart comments because apparently they have everyone up in arms. Um, I get it. I, I, you know what? I sit in these rooms now, so every time he says something, I'm, and I know, like, oh, shit, that's going viral. Yep. At that point in the room, it's like a race. to what. But this one, this one, I felt like he was very thrown off by the question, didn't really understand the question, and just did the thing that he always does. I, I personally think every SEC team should be ranked. I guarantee you there's some teams that don't want to play them that are ranked. I mean, I don't, I don't, I literally have no idea what you're referencing because every team we play in the SEC is good enough to beat us. And whether they're ranked or not, I could care less. I'm trying to be more physical than them and outscore them. And the only thing I'm concerned with, not their ranking. I think every team in the SEC should be ranked. I mean, sounds like a hot take. It is a hot take. It is a hot take. It is a hot take. Um, and the reason being, there is no quarterback play in this conference mm -hmm. outside of like a handful of teams. Um, I shouldn't say there's no quarterback play. It's very inconsistent quarterback play. Um, and apparently, like, three-quarters of the conference can't play defense. Yeah, it looks that way. Some bad defenses. It's some here. bad defenses. Again, <clears throat> from, from teams who historically I, – I don't expect Ole Miss to play defense. Yeah. I expect LSU to show up and play some damn yeah. defense. Mm -hmm. um, and that hadn't happened. So, he's not right in that sense. The SEC's having a, a definitely a down year. But from a who would you favor on a neutral field standpoint, 
that comes down to dudes on paper, and I still think the SEC has an advantage there. The reason the Pac-12 is the Pac-12 right now is because they have five of the nation's top quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, elite quarterback. I mean, slap out elite quarterback play out there. So, I mean, Vandy out of the, uh, the discussion, Mississippi State out of the discussion, um, Florida out of the discussion. The rest of the teams, I think you could uh, – who am I missing here? Arkansas. Out Arkansas, of Arkansas out of the discussion. Did you say Mississippi State? Yes. That's it. So, 10, 10 of the 14 teams we think have reasons to be like, hey, they could be any, uh, any of the top – 20 teams in the country. I mean, from that standpoint, I would agree. 20 to 25, because that's, bro, like seriously, 20 to 25 in the in the bottom of the AP rankings midway through the season. What's the fucking difference between team rank 22 and team rank 44? Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot midway through the season. So it's, it gets to the point where it's like, oh, Fresno State's undefeated. Let's put him at twenty-five. But what you guys in the show notes said he had everybody up in arms. What is everybody talking? What is everybody bitching about? Well, because he, everybody's. Doing the thing of like, oh, SEC bias, like everybody thinks the SEC is superior, all that stuff. It's not even it's not even as much that as it is. People are Georgia has been criticized since the schedules came out for having a weak schedule. Yeah. And now that they haven't been absolutely thrashing teams, people are accusing Kirby Smart of saying, Oh, you're trying to make your schedule look harder than it is because you know you don't have a good team. That's kind of what a lot of the argument is here was oh, Kirby Smart's so full of shit. Now he's trying to make his schedule look tougher. By saying all SEC teams should be ranked, which, if you know Kirby Smart, he doesn't give a shit about rankings. Anybody out here giving uh, giving USC smoke for a seven point win as a twenty one half point favorite? No, because Caleb Williams no. is good. Anybody out here giving Arizona or uh, Washington smoke for having a one score game with Arizona? I hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody? I mean, Michigan's kind of dominated everybody. Uh, Ohio State didn't look great against Indiana. I mean, everybody has these 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 games. Florida I, State didn't look that great against Boston College. Correct. I mean, they all have these games. They all have these games that they 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 get, get kind of snug. Texas didn't look great in the first half against Wyoming, mm-hmm. right? Um, Alabama didn't look great against USF. Like we could go through the list every single week. You know what that is? That's college football, mm-hmm. is what that is. And I I do agree that this conference is tough to play. I mean, news breaking news: playing in the SEC is hard. Um, and I think it's hard because the line of scrimmage play here, despite whatever you say about the quarterback play in this conference right now or the consistencies on the offensive or defensive sides of the football, the lines of scrimmage in this conference are invested in heavily, okay, by the NFL for a reason year in and year out. So that hasn't changed, in my opinion, at all um, this year. It, it is for me. It's when I go through the list of quarterbacks, there's like no – I, I, I mean – if you want to cons- if you want to tell me do you think Jaden Daniels is a first round draft pick I'll, I'll I'll humor you okay I will I will entertain the thought I don't think he is if he was he wouldn't be playing his sixth year of college football okay so I don't think he is and he is right now breaking news when we do our SEC quarterback rankings as we do every week when we do that next hour he's going to be my number one ranked quarterback in the conference <gasps> uh- <gasps> I, I don't know what Spencer. he is. I, mean, I, I don't know if he's an NFL superstar. I don't, it doesn't look like that, but he's putting up great numbers, and he's accurate, and he's a great athlete, and he's a great college quarterback. But that's it. And, and Spencer Rattler's playing great, but he's getting sacked every time he's turning around. So what are you going to do with that football team? They're starting two freshmen at tackle. So, yeah, the SEC's down this year because the quarterback play is down this year. Everyone expected Joe Milton. Hell, there was Joe Milton Heisman hype this offseason. And he's come out and laid duds. Okay, so – you want the conference to be better. 
Have better quarterback play. I mean, just have better overall play. I think, like you said, defenses, you shouldn't be giving up 700 yards of offense to no disrespect to Jackson Dart, but Ole Miss, I don't think, should be able to put 700 yards of offense on your defense. That's just not acceptable as an SEC team. Hmm. I'm reading comments, so go ahead. I don't know. It's, 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 I think it's just kind of a weird year in general, but – at the same time, like about the schedule, specifically about Georgia's schedule, Kirby Smart doesn't have to come out here and defend that because every team that is ranked on Georgia's schedule right now deserves to be ranked. So I think it more so, if anything, maybe it was just Kirby Smart, just like like you said, kind of caught off guard with the question. I mean, he had no idea what he – I mean, he He straight know. up said was like, I really have no idea what you're asking me. But yeah. Do you have the audio from it? Or? We just played it. I, oh, that's right. <laughs> Sorry, dude, I'm running cameras. Bro, it's all good. We yeah. all got a bunch of shit going yeah, on. Like, good. He, he straight up says, like, I really don't know what you're asking me. But uh, what the question was and how it was phrased was basically like, what do you think about these teams that are now ranked after there was so much scrutiny over your schedule prior to the Mar- season Mark starting? Asked, Mark asked him what we talked about yesterday. Mark asked him, hey, preseason, y'all's schedule was shit. Now right was, now, there's three teams on it Now Missouri's undefeated. Thoughts. That was the question, yeah. and his response was, well, they all should be ranked. They all could beat us, yeah. essentially, um, which if you just – if you were to transcribe it like that, instead of doing the, the quote graphic that people put out yes. where I think all SEC teams should be ranked, yeah, of course people are going to jump on that. That's, sure. that's dog food out there for, for, for the haters and the Twitter folks out there in the world. So, um, yeah, no, I thought it was a, 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 a general – Kirby Smart answer on a question like that. For sure. Um, confused by what the hell you mean, but I'm going to answer it anyway. He's not going to talk down on anybody. Yeah. He's not going to – yeah, he's just going to do something like, okay, yeah, everybody's good. <laughs> well, I mean, yesterday he told us uh, – yeah, yesterday he was like, bro, all of college football sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he told us all of college football is bad. Do y'all not remember listening to yesterday's show? I mean <laughs> – that's basically what he told us. He was like, bro, all of football is deteriorating right now. The house is crumbling. <laughs> like, it's all getting worse. Um, no. So, there you go. Hey, this is an interesting segment. We don't have a lot of time to knock it out, but I think we should knock it out anyways. Um, here's how we're going to play this, okay? The segment is, does Georgia have to win out to make a playoff? And here's the situation. Every single conference champion, except for Florida State, is a one-loss champion. So let's just name somebody. Let's just, for brand's sake, let's say USC is the one-loss uh, Pac-12 champion. Everybody write this down. USC, 12-1. and one. Everybody got it down? Everybody got it down? 11, All right. Yep. Well, well, they were a conference no, championship 12 game. 12-1. 12 12 right. All right. Then we got Ohio. Let's just say Ohio State. Again, name brands. 12-1. and one. All right. Um, who else we got? We got the Big Texas. 12 champ. Let's call Texas 12-1. and one. All right. And then the SEC champ is Georgia at 12-1 and one somehow. Okay. Uh, let's say they lose some game down the stretch. Doesn't matter. But they are 12-1. and one. You have those four teams. And then Florida State looks like they're going to win out. Okay, If they handle business, they're going to be favored by at least four or five points, multiple touchdowns in most games the remainder of the year. Florida State wins out. Okay, They are an undefeated ACC champ. So we're going to go ahead and put FSU at one. Now, boys, make the argument or tell me how the rest of this is going to shake out because I'm going to tell you right now, 
as an unbiased observer, USC going 12 and one in their schedule is far, far more impressive than you going 12 and one in yours. Ohio State going 12 and one in their schedule, I wouldn't say it's far more impressive than yours, but they're gonna have two top 10 wins or one top 10 win and you'll have zero if they do that. Texas going 12 and one, a win over Alabama and presumably a loss to Oklahoma at some point. That's a pretty damn good slate that looks slightly better than your 12 and one. So I lay that out to you guys. Does Georgia now have to win out with all of the, like, because of the, all of the, the parity right now, with there actually being nine or ten teams in the middle of the season that we think could survive their slate? It all just depends on the losses. And it also depends on the timing of the losses, how you lose those football games, and, like I said, when they occur. Because we've kind of seen, there, whether it's admitted or not, there is somewhat kind of a recency bias when it comes to losses as it gets down the stretch and it gets closer to the cultural playoff. Like, if you lose a game – the week prior to college football playoff, that tends to burden you a lot more than if you lost a game in week eight or something like that. Well, but here, here's the scenario. USC and Oregon go one and one. USC loses at Oregon. They meet in the Pac-12 championship. USC beats them. So they they're both, they're both 12 and one. What do you do? Do both of those teams get in over Georgia? Again, if the loss is this weekend or if the loss is Van, or, uh, Tennessee, 100%, but if the loss is an SEC championship game, we have a whole nother uh, well, I think it's this, uh, this is a lot that? easier of a question to answer when the CFP rankings come out. Mm -hmm. Because we right get now, to see what they feel Because right now, guys. as it stands, no, Georgia would get in over USC because they're ranked ninth right now. USC's Correct. undefeated. Georgia's valued as eight places higher than that. That's so, no, a tremendous. USC tank. wouldn't get in. Then you have all these other points. So, Georgia is still viewed as the number one team right now now that might change when the cfp rankings come out so i think that's what you have to wait on this is why this is why i brought in other voices because my dumbass wouldn't have thought about this i always look at the cfp rankings as who gives a shit i, I it'll figure itself out in november dude this year this year they are far more important than ever because that first ranking like you're saying we're, we're going to get to see how they thought of this first five game slate and this first five game slate really is going to impact you know, how, how you won and how, how you played against who you played and how they end up finishing that season, it's going to play a drastic role in who's two, three, and four come December. Yeah, I mean, there's a chance that Georgia's undefeated come CFP rankings and they're the fourth-ranked team just yeah. because Texas gets valued higher than that, Ohio State, all, these other, State. all these other teams that have won out as well. Mm -hmm. CFP, the, the committee looks at that and says, okay, that's why Tennessee got ranked number one last year. Mm -hmm. Georgia didn't do anything wrong. I mean, they, they just had, didn't have the win. They yeah. had close games with Missouri and things yeah. like that, but they got dropped because Tennessee looked that much more impressive at the time. You got so any I think thoughts? I think this is something we have to wait till the CFP rankings come out to answer. Because if Which they is two more weeks, it's two more. first week of November, yeah. right? Because if you got an eight and zero Georgia and they've gone from one to five, then you got to go. Oh shit, that might be an issue. But I also think that having five one loss conference champion teams is going to be so unlikely. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't see that happening. And the, the SEC has never the not SEC, gotten one The in. SEC's never not gotten one in. You're right. That's what I get hung up on. I, I find it really, really hard to believe that a one-loss SEC team doesn't get in there. Yeah. I mean, I, I've always found that the CFP rankings, I mean, obviously, they're a little bit more Power 5 friendly than the, the AP Top 25, mm -hmm. which means when we actually do get CFP rankings – I bet there's more SEC teams ranked in that than there are in the AP Top 25. Probably, yeah. yeah. I was about to make a joke. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, we got another hour over on NBR. Make sure you come and show up. We got a whole bunch of stuff. I got SEC quarterback rankings. And Georgia fans, you need to stick around because Carson Beck made a major leap this week because now we know. Hey, hit that like button on your way out. I love you.